we have been working our way through the book of Genesis, and today we're going to pick up the pace a little bit as we go. Let me begin by asking, do you believe in miracles? You're going to see one today as I go through two and a half chapters. (laughs) You didn't think it was possible, but it is. It is. So um, we, again, we've been studying through the book of Genesis. Now, we won't always do this. Will this be one of the few times that we do? But uh, you'll recall that we, as we've been going through Genesis chapter 6, we've looked at Matthew, what uh, Jesus had to say there in your outline. It says, for the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah, for as in those days before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. And so we, we've taken the last couple of weeks and we've mentioned how what was happening in, in Noah's day would be happening just before Jesus comes back for the church. And so we, we took a couple of weeks to walk through that. And then also we mentioned last week is, is when Jesus points to the flood, Jesus believed the flood that we're going to talk about today literally took place. He speaks of it as though it's an actual event because, because it is. So we're going to go through uh, this, and we're going to kind of take a bird's eye view. If you, if you want more information, you want to dig a little bit deeper, there is a great resource. There are a number of them. This just happens to be my favorite. And it's a book by Ken Ham, and it's called A Flood of Evidence. And there's 40 chapters to walk through if you, if you want to dig more in chapters like, what about the size of Noah's Ark? What, what was the shape of Noah's Ark? Did the animals, how did the animals fit on the ark? How could Noah get and care for all the animals? You know, and and uh, could he really build the ark by himself? And so it goes through all, all, of, the, all of the questions that somebody might have. And I encourage you if you want to dig a little bit deeper. So this is going to be a great resource. But um, we're going to begin today in Genesis chapter 6. This is like one section, so that's why uh, there's so much. But in Genesis chapter 6 and in verse 9, it says, and we looked at this last week, these are the records of the generation of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. And then last week we looked and it said blameless or perfect in his time and Noah walked with God. And so last week, we looked at that from a literal translation, and it said that Noah was perfect, uh, and that word there is tamin, he hath been among his generations. So there was something in his generations that was perfect, and that word tamim, there in your outline, just means complete, whole, entire, or sound. And so as we went through that, we found that Noah and his family were still completely human. There was the mixing of DNA, and we took two weeks to talk about that. Well, verse 12 I put there in your outline, it says, God looked on the earth and behold, it was corrupt. And that word is shakath, for all flesh was corrupted against shakath, their way upon the earth. And so when it talked about being corrupted, what did that mean? Well, last week we looked at it and it says to be marred, to be spoiled, to be corrupted, to pervert. And so we talked about that the reason the flood came was because human DNA, animal DNA, had been mixed, distorted, uh, so that the creation was no longer the creation. Animals weren't what God had created them to be, and humans were not any longer what God had created them to be. But God saw that Noah and his generations, that had not taken place. So we looked at that. We looked at that last week. We're going to pick it up today in verse 13 of chapter 6. And it says, And God said to Noah, 
The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. Uh, interesting, what you find is when they mix the DNA, the good part uh, was removed. And so there was just violence. And we talked about how that word uh, violence is the Hebrew word Hamas and, and, and the significance. Violence because of them. Behold, I'm about to destroy them with the earth. Make for yourself an ark, and I've underlined the word ark, of gopher wood. And we'll talk about that word. And you shall make the ark with rooms and shall cover it inside and out with pitch. And uh, I want you to underline the word pitch as uh, we'll talk about that. So a couple of things. First of all, the, the word ark I put on your outline is tabah in Hebrew, and it just means box, just means box. So the ark is going to be designed to look like a box. So you say, why didn't they just call it a box? Well, let me ask you, would you ever go see a movie called Raiders of the Lost Box? Just so you know, for you, for you Hebrew uh, students out there, I know that the Ark of the Covenant's a different word. So, but anyways, just a little fun with that. So the idea is that this Ark, uh, this box is going to be built, and it's going to be built for flotation, but not navigation. So it's just going to be some, it's going to be like a barge. It just has to float. And that's the main idea. Also, um, it says it to the last line there, she'll cover it inside and out with pitch. So uh, this ark is going to be covered with pitch, kind of like a tar, on the outside and on the inside. Now, typically, if you wanted to keep it waterproof, you would put the pitch on the outside. The only reason you would put the pitch on the inside and the outside is because you want to preserve it. And I'm going to suggest to you that somewhere this ark has been preserved. It's just a theory, uh, but I think it's going to be revealed at some time in the future, wherever it's at. But as we get into this today, we're going to find, and I I do want to highlight this and write this down, that the ark is God's plan of salvation. And so we're going to see a picture emerge in this today. And so if I could paraphrase what's taking place, write this down. God says, judgment is coming, but I want to save you and those that you love. I want to save you and those that you love. It's always going to be God's heart to save the rest of the family and the people that you care about. But here's the part that's so interesting about this and the part that, that uh, we, we tend to miss. There on your outline, um, and, and this is why the ark becomes a picture of salvation. There on your outline, it says, make for yourself an ark of gopher wood and you shall cover it inside and out with pitch. So a couple of things. First of all, you notice it says gopher wood, and I put in parentheses the word gopher. The Hebrew word for gopher is gopher. Nobody knows what type of wood it is. So, so it just translates from, from the Hebrew into English, but we have no idea what wood it is. Probably something about, they suggest a cypress, but it could be anything. But it, that's just the Hebrew word there. And, um, but the part that I wanted to highlight there is you shall cover it inside and out with pitch. And uh, the word there for pitch is kafar. Now, this is the only time this word kafar is ever translated in your Bible as the word pitch. Now, it can be pitch, and it is, but, um, but, but every other place it translates not as pitch, but the word actually is translated as atonement, atonement. So let me show you how this works there in your outline. In Exodus 32, Moses said to the people, you 
you yourselves have committed a great sin, and now I'm going up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement, kafar, for your sin. Does everybody see that? So, so this word kafar in every other place in the Bible is always translated as, as atonement. Now, we don't say kafar today. We say kippur today. So when you hear yom kippur, it's the day of atonement, a day of atonement. So interesting to me. Now, my, my favorite definition for atonement is this. There, just write this down. It just means at one meant. At one meant. So the atonement implies that something was wrong, we were separated in relationship, something happened, and it brought us back together, back to the place of at one mint, at one mint. So it's that process of bringing us back together. So literally, you can look at this, and, and God could say, my plan of salvation needs to be covered on the outside and the inside with atonement. And it's going to be all over this. Now, another thing that we're going to see in God's plan, you want to write this down, in God's plan, anytime you talk about salvation, there's going to be, and today, there's going to be only one ark, and there's only one way. That's going to be important for our study today. So you can't decide to have another way. Uh, this salvation is going to be one ark, and there's going to be one way. I put verses 15 and 16 on your outline and the reason for that is that um, some of your translations will say so many cubits, and so I just wanted to do the, do the math for us and make it easy. So from the NIV translation, it says, this is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Make a roof for it and finish the ark to within 18 inches to the top. Put a door on the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper deck. So there's going to be different floors uh, in, in, in this ark. So it's going to be 450 feet long. There is a possibility that, that uh, the ark could be 500 feet long, but minimally it's 450 feet, 75 feet wide, and at least 45 feet tall. Now here's what that would mean by those dimensions. It would mean that there's 1.4 million cubic feet inside of the ark. So this thing is, is massive. So what could you put in there? The, this would be the equivalent to being able to put somewhere between 500 and 550 boxcars in it. So when you ever see a train and it has the boxcars on it, 500 to 550 would fit inside of this, this ark. It's, it's massive. When you look at the average size of an animal, the average size of an animal is a sheep. Some are larger, some are smaller, but that's the average size. Typically, when you ship sheep, when you ship sheep <laughs> in a boxcar, they, they put about 220 of them in, in a boxcar. So if you were to take all of the known species, and I would encourage you to get the book and, and walk through how that would be possible, um, it's only going to take up about one-third of the ark, about one-third of the ark. So, and that would be the, the species that we see now and the species that would be uh, extinct. So let me just give you a, concept, a conceptual picture of the ark. It's going to be, um, you know, 450 long, 75 wide, 45 tall. It's, it's enormous. It's made for flotation, but not for navigation. I know that most of us grew up with the picture of the ark 
having a giraffe sticking out the top and all that. But, but this is probably a little bit more closer to what it, what it looks like. Well, verse 17 of chapter 6, it says, it says, Behold, I am bringing the flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh, which is the breath of life, which is going to be that which breathes. And we're going to find time and time again when it says this, it's referring to the things that live on the land. The breath of life from under heaven, everything that is on the earth shall perish. I read 16, okay, 18. But I will establish my covenant with you and you shall enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your, your sons' wives with you. And every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every kind into the ark to keep them alive with you and they shall be male and female. Of the birds, now I want you to pay attention to after their kind. It says of the birds, after their kind, and of the animals, after their kind, of every creeping thing on the ground, after its kind. Now, the uh, next thing I want you to underline here says not uh, two of every kind, and I want you to underline it says, will come to you, will come to you. Does your Bible say will come to you? Now, this tells you that it's Noah's not running around the forest with a butterfly net. They're coming to him. God is bringing. So you want to keep that in mind. To keep them alive, as for you, take for yourself some of all food, which is edible, to gather it to yourself, and it shall be food for you and, and for them. Thus, Noah did according to all that God had commanded him, so he did. So God's going to have the animals come to Noah. But in this, it says God, that Noah did all that God commanded him, which means that Noah understood some things. He understood, but most people in his generation did not understand. And Jesus says it will be just the same. So the first thing that, that Noah realized, and you want to write this down, that judgment was coming. Judgment was coming. Very few believed in those days that judgment was really coming. Uh, we might say that the earth at that time was filled with universalists who hold that there is no judgment. He realized also that he could not save himself. Noah realized he could not save himself, and he needed God's plan. Uh, there was nothing that he could do to save himself. Uh, it, you and I live in a generation where people say, there are many paths. Who are you to say that your path is the only path? We're going to find that in this day, in Noah's day, there was only one path. And then Noah realized that he needed to tell his friends. You want to write that down. There in your outline, in the New Testament, we're told, Peter says, he did not spare the ancient world, but he brought... But he, when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, it says, a preacher of righteousness and seven others. So Noah was, was preaching this, that there is a coming judgment, but most people did not believe. Most would not believe. Jesus says it will be just the same. So God speaks to Noah, tells him to, be, to build the ark. Noah begins Several years pass. Now, some people think it's 100 years. Uh, others hold that it's probably about five years before the judgment that, that God reveals this. And there's good arguments either way. Chapter 7, it says, Then the Lord said to Noah, Enter the ark, my translation says, and you and your household, for you alone I have seen to be righteous before me in this time. You shall take with you of every clean animal 
by sevens, a male and female, which means there's going to be 14. And of the animals that are not clean, a male and his female. Also of the birds of the sky, by sevens, male and female, to keep the offspring alive on the face of all the earth. For after seven more days, um, I will send rain on the earth 40 days and 40 nights, and I will blot out from the face of the land every living thing that I have made. So it's, it's been several years. We don't know how many years Noah has been building the ark. He's built it, and God says, okay, now it's seven more days. And so he says, bring in the clean animals. We looked at that. And, and uh, there, the part that I, I, I want to highlight today, especially today, because Jesus says it's going to be just the same as it was in the days of Noah. And I, I want you to write this down. To be saved, Noah has to respond to the invitation. So however your Bible says it, and different Bibles will translate verse 1. Uh, one translation says, the Lord then said to Noah, go into the ark. Uh, then the Lord said to Noah, enter the ark. Uh, and my favorite, then the Lord said to Noah, come into the ark. And so there is a coming judgment, but, it, but Noah has to respond to that invitation. If you're here today and you have not responded to that invitation, you need to know that there really is a coming judgment and you need to respond. And that is to get into God's plan of salvation. And, and we'll talk about that as we go. Now, verse five, it says, Noah did according to all the Lord had commanded him. Now, Noah was 600 years old when the flood of water came upon the earth. Then Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons, wives with him, entered the ark because of the water of the flood. Uh, which, was, which was going to come. So the Holy Spirit wants us to know Noah is beginning his seventh century. So verse eight, of clean animals and animals that are not clean and birds and everything that creeps on the ground, there went into the ark, does your Bible say to Noah? You wanna underline that because once again, it's gonna highlight they're coming to Noah. He's not running around trying to capture them. And we'll be told this several times. They came into their to Noah by twos, male and female, just as God had commanded Noah. It's very interesting. You have God's plan of salvation. God's plan of salvation is going to be covered on the inside and the outside, we would say with atonement. Uh, there's going to be one ark. We're going to find that there's going to be one door and there's going to be one way. When the animals go inside in God's plan of salvation, animals that would normally tear one another apart are going to live in harmony. It should be very different than the rest of the world. Verse 10, it says, and it came about after the seven days that the water of the flood came upon the earth in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, and you want to pay attention to the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on the same day, all the fountains of the deep burst open, and the floodgates of the sky were opened. The rain fell upon the earth for 40 days and for 40 nights. So again, Noah's beginning his seventh century, and it says that the fountains of the deep were, were broken up, that most of the flood will come from underneath as the water comes up. This is going to be the explanation for fossils, which is very different than what you've been taught in school as it relates to evolution. 
apart from a cataclysmic event like the flood of Noah, there can be no fossils. Uh, you've heard me say, I live in Jupiter Farms, and every day driving to work, you know, you, you see it's a dead squirrel, it's a dead possum, it's a dead raccoon, whatever. Those never become fossils. When an animal dies in the woods, the forest, it just simply decomposes. It's eaten. It decomposes. The only way you can have a fossil is there has to be water and mud and sediment coming up and very instantly covering the animal, packing it deep enough so that bacteria can't get down and dissolve it. So when it's packed over time, then it becomes a fossil. But when an animal dies out in the forest, it just simply decomposes, is eaten. Does that make sense? So you can't have, you can't have, you know, it's like if a woolly mammoth dies, however long ago you believe, and it's laying there, it's not like over thousands of years it becomes covered in dirt and becomes a fossil. No, in just a matter of days or weeks, it's completely decomposed. The only way you can have fossils is if you have a cataclysmic event like the flood of Noah. So keep that in mind. Find that interesting? Good, good, good. So then you have the rain coming down from the sky. And then um, verses 13 through 15, it says, on the very same day, Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth, the sons of Noah and Noah's wife and the three wives of the sons with them entered the ark. And they, uh, and they and every beast, and I, I want you to pay attention here again, verse 14, after its kind and all the cattle after its kind and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind and every bird uh, after its kind, all sorts of birds. And so they went into the ark to Noah, once again, going into Noah, by twos, all flesh, which was the breath of life. Verse 14, I want to highlight something that's going to be important for us in verse, in chapter 8. And it says, in every beast after its kind. Now, once, once again, let me say, the emphasis is going to be after its kind because they had messed with the after its kind. So part of the flood is to remove everything that had been messed with as far as after its kind and only have the after its kind as God had created it get onto the ark. But it says, then every beast after its kind, and that word there is mean. And it says, and all the cattle of the earth after their kind, mean. And every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind, again, the word is mean. And every bird after its kind, that word will be mean. That'll be important. Tuck that away. We'll talk about that as, uh, as we go. Verse 16, then uh, those that entered, male and female of all flesh, entered as God had commanded him. And you, you want to underline the Lord closed it behind them. The Lord closed it behind them. What you learn from this is in God's plan of salvation, there's only one door. There's only one door. And uh, I, I also want to highlight here, you, you want to, to write this down. When Noah entered, God shut the door. Noah doesn't shut the door. God shuts the door. Interesting, in the New Testament, Jesus will say there in your outline, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And uh, so in God's plan, the door always represents Jesus. You want to write that down. So God shuts the door and God seals the door. So in the New Testament, Paul would say it like this. 
in him, Jesus, who you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom you, having believed, you were sealed. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So when you become a believer, it's God who seals you. You don't seal yourself. So the question is, when Noah goes into the ark and God shuts the door and God seals it, can Noah fall out? And I would suggest to you, he can't because he's been sealed inside. He's entered into the door, the one door. He's entered into God's plan and that plan was covered with pitch or atonement on the inside and the out. And once he goes in, it's God who shuts the door. So Noah is secure in God's plan of salvation as he goes in. Well, the animals will go in and they will go in by twos. The reason they go in by twos is when they come out, they're to repopulate the earth. So here's the question. If the animals go in by two, if they're going to repopulate when they come out, can any of them die or perish in God's plan of salvation? The idea would be no, because uh, they have to repopulate, which tells us none in his plan of salvation will perish in the ark. They will come out and they will begin to repopulate. Well, verse 17, it says, then the flood came upon the earth for 40 days and the water increased and lifted up the ark so that it rose above the earth. The water prevailed and increased greatly upon the earth and the ark floated on the surface of the water. The water prevailed more and more upon the earth so that all the high mountains everywhere under the, uh, under the heavens were covered. The water prevailed 15 cubits higher and, and, and the mountains were covered. So the, the ark is floating somewhere between 22 to 23 feet above the mountains. How did they know? Well, at a certain point, they, they stopped bumping into things. There was a time where they bumped something. Well, then there comes a place we know that we're that high above the mountains. When you you study this, there'll be those, and, and they, will, they will say that it was really just a local flood. This was not really the, the whole earth. The Bible teaches that it was the whole earth. Now, if it was just a local flood, there's some questions that we have to answer. Um, how would it be a local flood if it was above the mountains? Well, it couldn't be. It'd have to be a world, worldwide flood. If, if it was just a local flood, why build an ark? Why not just walk out of the area? You know, you don't need an ark for that. If it's a local flood, why bring the birds onto the ark? Couldn't they just fly to where it would be dry? If it's, if it's a local flood, why bring animals on? I mean, obviously the animals in that area would perish, but, but wouldn't there be animals in the rest of the earth that, that would come in? So the idea is it's a worldwide flood. And uh, you also want to remember that in the next chapter, that God is going to promise to never destroy the world again in the way that he has with this flood. You've heard that story, right? So if it's a local flood, would you agree that local floods have taken place that have destroyed large numbers of people? The tsunami of 2004, the tsunami of 2011. So if if it's a local flood, then, then God lied to us and he broke his promise because floods have happened. 
The only way this makes sense is it has to be a worldwide flood, just as the Bible says. Well, verse 21, where am I at? Verse 21 of chapter 7, okay. Um, All flesh that moved on the earth perished, birds and cattle and beasts and every swarming thing that swarms upon the earth and all mankind. Of all that was on dry land, all in whose nostrils was the breath of life, or, or the breath of the spirit of life died. Remember, this is all land animals. Thus he blotted out every living thing that was upon the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things to birds of the sky. They were blotted out from the earth, and only Noah was, only Noah was left together with those who were with him in the ark. And, and the water prevailed upon the earth 150 days. So it's been about five months so far. Chapter 8, it says, but God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the cattle that were with him in the ark, and God caused a wind to pass over the earth, and the water subsided, and all the fountains of the deep and all the floodgates of the sky were closed, and the rain from the sky was restrained. And the water receded steadily from the earth at the end of 150 days, and the water decreased in the seventh month of the 17th day of the month, the ark rested on the mountains of Ararat. Does your Bible say mountain or mountains? Mountains, it's in the plural. So it's a mountain range. It's not on the Mount of Ararat. It's in the mountains of uh, Ararat. So when it says God remembered, that's a a Hebraism where it just means that God's turning his attention back to and completing his purpose for Noah. So it says that it rested. Now, how did they know that it rested? Well, they knew it rested because all of a sudden they bumped into something really big and it stopped moving is the idea. So the mountain range of Ararat would be a horrible place to put an ark unless you wanted to preserve it for some time later. And so it's, it's commonly held, not everybody agrees with this, that it's stuck up there on a mountain. Right now it's covered in snow, but there's going to come a day when that snow is going to melt, the ark is going to be exposed as, as a testimony once again, and, and even then it's, it's theorized that they still won't believe. Well, verse 5, it says, the water decreased steadily until the 10th month, in the 10th month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains became visible. So it's been eight months that they've been on the ark. They went in the second month, it's now the 10th month. So now they can begin to see the the mountaintops. Well, verse um, 6 and 7, it says, then it came about at the end of 40 days, so it's another month, more than another month, that Noah opened the window of the ark, which he had made, and he sent out a raven, I've underlined raven, and it flew here and there until the water was dried up from the earth. The idea is that it doesn't come back to Noah. So why does Noah send out a raven? Well, ravens, it turns out, are omnivorous. They eat meat, they eat flesh. So if this raven goes out and it's able to find some rotting flesh, uh, it it's has food, so it's, it's not going to come back, so it doesn't come back. That tells Noah that there's still some rotting flesh out there. So verse 8 and 9, it says, then he sent out a dove from him to see if the water has abated or was abated from the face of the land. 
But the dove found no resting place for the sole of her foot. So she returned to him into the ark, for the water was on the surface of all the earth. Then he put out his hand and took her and brought her into the ark to himself. Doves don't eat flesh. And uh, so she can't find a place to, to land. She can't find anything to eat. So she just comes back. Verse 10, it says, so he waited yet another seven days. And again, he sent the dove out from the ark. The dove came to him toward the evening and behold, her beak in her beak was a freshly picked olive leaf. So Noah knew that the water was abated from the earth. So things are starting to grow at this point. Verse 12, he waited yet another seven days and he sent out the dove and she did not return to him again. Apparently she's now found a place to land. She's finding food. So things are really beginning to grow at this point. Verse 13, then it came about on the 601st year in the first month of the first month that the water was dried, dried up from the earth. Then Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked and behold, the surface of the ground was dried up. So you can see. Verse 14, in the second month, and I've underlined second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth was dry. Then God spoke to Noah saying, go out of the ark, you, your wife, your sons, and your son's wives with you. You want to write down somewhere that at this point, Noah goes in on the second month. We saw that in chapter seven. He was in the ark for seven days before the flood comes. Now it's the second month. It's the next year. They have a 360 day year and I'll let you do the math, but they've been in the ark for 377 days. So just, just over a year. Verse 17 through 19, it says, God says, bring out with you every living thing of all flesh that is with you, birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth that they may breed abundantly on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his son's wife with him and every beast, every creeping thing, every bird, everything that moves on the earth went out by their, my translation says, families from the ark. Does your Bible say something like families? From the, so so here, here's the part that I, I wanted to highlight. Um, there on your outline, every beast, every creeping thing, every bird, everything that moves on the earth went out by their families, and that word families is mishpakah, mishpakah from the ark which is very different than the, the word that we looked at in the last chapter, which says after their kind, that word was mean, that word was mean. So they go in as couples, they're coming out now as families. What this means is apparently they got very bored very quick <laughs> on the ark and started making little animals. Now, if you do the math on this, and, and you can do this on your own, I'll just, uh, you know, I always say there's, Never mind. There, but, but when you do the math on this, if one pair of dogs goes into the ark, the gestation period for a dog is somewhere between 56 and 66 days when they get pregnant. So if they go in and the mama dog gets pregnant and they have a litter, by the time they get out, um, they have that litter before they get out, if they have eight puppies, That'll be four couples, and then you've got the original couple. And the idea is when you do the math, you can literally have 50 to 60 dogs 
coming off the ark in a year. And half of those could be pregnant as they're coming off the ark. So the idea is they go in by two, but a bunch come out, and then they begin to multiply beyond that. Well, verse 20, it says, then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. So the first thing he wants to do is thank the Lord for taking care of them in this time. The Lord smelled the the soothing aroma and the Lord said to himself, I will never again curse the ground on account of man for the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth and I will never again destroy every living thing as I have done. So it's never gonna be a worldwide flood. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. Verse 22, it says, while the earth remains, there, there comes a point where God is done with the earth. It won't be destroyed next time by water. It'll be destroyed by fire. And that's a story for another day. Did you find that at least interesting today? So, so here's, here's what I want to say, and as passionately as I can, there is a coming judgment. It is going to be just like it was in the days of Noah. Most people do not believe that there is a coming judgment. But in that judgment, there was one ark. There was one door. There was one way. Jesus says, I am the door. He is the way. He would say he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through him. It's not narrow-minded. It's just true. It's just true. If you're here today, the invitation is to get onto the ark. And the way that you do that is you say, Jesus, I want your salvation. I want to step into your plan of salvation, which is covered on the outside and the inside with atonement or at one meant. You receive his free gift. You invite him in. He says, I'm standing at the door and knocking. And if anyone will open up, I will come in. And when he does, he, he never leaves. And uh, so as we pray today, you have the opportunity to, to invite him in. And don't be like those who in Noah's time didn't really believe it was going to happen. We see it happening all around us right now. It's happening. So let's pray. Jesus, we come before you right now and we say, Jesus, I want you, your plan. I recognize there is a coming judgment, but I want to be in you, in your plan of salvation, which is covered with the atonement at one mint. And so I receive you into me. I'm stepping into you. Thank you for forgiving me of everything I've ever done. I want you. And so I'm opening myself up to you and inviting you in. And so from this day forward, I belong to you. And I'm asking you to seal me into your plan and help me to follow you as you reveal yourself to me. And if you prayed that prayer today, let somebody know. Let us know. Let somebody know that today you've decided to be a follower of Jesus, that you've invited him in. Father, I pray that you keep each and every one of us until we meet again. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you next time.